Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is part two of episode 322. It's Ask Pip. Let's just drop the theme tune, buddy, and we'll get straight into it. Right, there we go. Th- 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 thank you for all the questions in part one. Um, let's jump straight into part two. I teased a question from Gareth Jones. Are there any roles slash parts that you've auditioned for and didn't get that you can tell us about now? Man, mate, the the, the restraint I've had to have to not talk about any of this over the years. But you, you when I start to tell you, you're going to imagine my excitement. So I auditioned for Deadpool 2. And Deadpool 1 was in my films of the year, was probably my film of the year. I auditioned for the role of Black Tom, who was the guy in the prison who had the dreadlocks. Um, What other ones? I've auditioned for... I auditioned for... This is mad. I think I've talked about this before, potentially. But I auditioned for The Virtues. And at that point, Stevie Graham wasn't available. And I assumed the way that... Shane Meadows tape auditions work is you don't really know what you're auditioning for so I assumed it was just some role and I found out down the line I was auditioning for the role that Stevie Graham ended up playing and winning all sorts of awards for but it was because he wasn't available and apparently I came close to getting that according to the the guys at Warp I didn't know that at all but my argument is if ever Stephen Graham is available for a role give it to Stephen Graham Um, so there's that there's a series, I've not watched it yet. I really loved the script, though. There's a series on Apple TV called C, and I auditioned for, for the main part in that. And then years later, I see it's gone to Jason Momoa. Of course you're going to fucking give it to Aquaman over some prick from Essex. But again, it's mad that I get to, to go up for these things, isn't it? Um, and there's been loads. There's been loads of really cool things that it's been... A mad honour to, to, to be up for. There's one or two more recent ones which I won't say because it feels they're too soon to talk about um, that I didn't get. But yeah, there's a few. I also auditioned for... So I think I mentioned before I auditioned for The Boys. I auditioned for the role of Butcher and The Boys is my favourite comic book of all time. And that went to... Uh, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. I love him. Oh, I'm just forgetting names left... A left, right, and, and centre. If you listen to part one, then then you'll know that I was a mess on that as well. Um, Carl Urban, Judge Dredd. Oh, in Dredd, amazing. So I auditioned for that, and it went to Carl Urban. I also auditioned for <laughs> Thor R- Ragnarok and the role that Carl Urban got. <laughs> so for some reason, um, me and Carl Urban are in, 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 in strong competition. But again, why would you give... It's mad that I even got to audition for those roles. I mean, it shows how low they look and how high they look. Anyway, Sarah I, what's your favourite book slash what book has influenced you in a powerful way? Two I'll mention there. I mentioned Rutger Bregman in the last one. His book... A Utopia for Realists is fantastic. I was sceptical of it. I thought it'd be some hoops, some hippie bullshit. It's amazing and never more more relevant. Um, and the other one is The Book of Disquiet by Fernando Pessoa. It's my favourite book. 
my brother recommended it to me many years ago he gave me a copy as a gift and it's amazing so there we go oscar doherty when are we going to get a new album no he's joking but seriously if you could only save chris or Stu from a horrific house fire who would you save oh i'd probably leave them to fight it out for themselves i'd rather you know a bit of darwin a bit of the strongest surviving rather than my choice um now obviously i'd save chris um rob chapman you've been plugged into the matrix what skill do you want uploaded into your system um it'd be just martial arts i'd love to be able to do proper good martial arts or, or gymnastics or a very gymnastic martial art because i'd love to be able to do flips and stuff um and big spin kicks and stuff like that so yeah uh, just yeah some some essentially stage north cut i'd have his his skills i'm not looking to compete again he's, he's not the best mixed martial artist but but he can do some cool f- fl- flips and kicks and stuff and that'd be handy in films and that as well to be able to go yeah i can do this deep dr- dr- dramatic stuff i'm a former poet um i can hit those notes but also check out this spin kick baz right which acting role at any time in history would you like to have played this is always a weird one because i've said before the most genuinely since getting into acting the most exciting roles that come through are ones that i never knew existed until they come through you know i've had a a few like that if for example i was to say i would love to have been this character in peaky blinders 10 years ago when Peaky Blinders didn't exist, I wouldn't have been able to pick that. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of exciting. But I have always said I'd love to... My favourite film of all time is Harvey. And I've said for a long time I'd love there to be kind of a modernisation of that because Harvey, whilst it is about a man who's got a best friend who's a giant rabbit, um, it's also... It's more about medication, over-medication misdiagnosis and i think that's become more prevalent a thing in modern society particularly in america where so many kids where things like add and all sorts of other stuff are so quickly diagnosed and medicated um so the overdiagnosis and misdiagnosis of our society i think you could write a really amazing new version of that and i'd love to that that would be a dream role also i've said before um oh fucking hell i just can't rem- remember today one of my favorite ever oh the midnighter is one of my favorite ever cartoon characters and i'd love um i'd love warren ellis to write a tv show of that because warren's a pal he's one of the greatest comic book writers of all time i'd love him to write a dark horrible tv show of that for netflix um and have me as the midnighter gareth watkins with the scripts you're writing, are you looking to sell them for others to make, to star in them as well, to direct others in them, or go the full Dennis Waterman? Um, everything I'm writing at the moment, I mean, part of the motivation is writing the roles I would love to be up for. And also I feel at my earlier stage of acting, playing characters that I know inside and out will be me at the best I can be at this stage if you know what I mean if it's a character I've created then no one will know them better than me therefore I will be able to perform them I've written them for me to perform 
amazingly. So I think that's kind of a really good, exciting balance at the moment. I've no plans to direct at the moment. I think there's enough to focus on right now. I'm genuinely respectful of all of these different areas. Like I have people ask if I'd be up for doing stage stuff. And at the moment I wouldn't because I'm not, I, I'm trying to master this side of acting and they're two different disciplines um it's exciting and i'd love to because obviously i've got a lot of experience on stage so there'd probably be something i can transfer over but all 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 in good time you know so so yeah the plan would be to write and have some kind of role in 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 some of the things I've, i've written i've written the lead character as me in other things i've written there's a side character that i would love to be to to be and so on and so forth um but the plan would be for others to 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 direct and to produce and all that kind of thing. Other than the shorts I'm potentially working on where I'd still want others to direct, I think, but there's a lot of variation there. But in general, the bigger scripts I'm working on, the plan would be even to have more help on writing on a series. Again, I'd be more than up for if it gets signed, collaborating and going back and forth. I think all of these things are interesting. Ian Douglas if you put a slinky on an upward moving escalator, would it enter perpetual motion? Yeah, I reckon it might, you know, and I think it might be the solution to the pandemic. Oli Bastiani, what's your dream holiday destination? I'm intrigued seeing as you readily admit that you're not a fan of leaving your own house. I'm a fan of leaving my own house. I'm just not good at holidays. I have had, I think, two holidays in the last 10 years, maybe three. I'm not a holiday guy. I'm lucky that what I do for a living is what I love. Now, that can be mistaken for it being easy. It's still really hard to constantly work. But I try and find small breaks. Like, for example, as I said, I was shooting a TV show in Canada recently. I only had one day off or one proper day off, but I spent that really exploring. I did something like 30 kilometres of walking. And I really, yeah, I had a good explore and I enjoyed that. So that feels like a holiday, if you know what I mean. But I've always wanted to go to Iceland. It's got a big emotional connection to me because when I quit my... I mentioned in part one, someone asked about my music career. When I quit my job to to focus on music, I had been looking at a holiday, a cruise to Iceland, and it was £800, simpler times, my friends. It was £800. And I was torn between doing that or buying a 1987 Toyota Space Cruiser to live in and tour the country trying to break out in music. And I chose the Space Cruiser and it launched my whole career. Therefore, when I, a career that as yet has not taken me to Iceland. I had a role I was up for recently that was filming in Iceland and it's with one of my favourite directors in the world and... That felt like it was going to be the perfect moment. I didn't get the role in the end, and the feedback I got was amazing, and there was a beautiful reason for, 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 for me not getting the role, so it was cool. But that felt like that was potentially going to be this as if I've written my whole life because I chose to not go there at this early point, and then l- literally 14 or f- f- 15 years later, I end up finally going there to act in a film by one of my dream collaborators but yeah that didn't happen so yeah iceland um i'd love to get back i toured scandinavia only a little bit i'd love to get back there japan i only played once and i'd love to get back there to actually have a holiday um i've never made it out to australia that'd be cool to have a snoop about 
but Canada was great, man. If, if I get to go back out there and continue on this this series, I'm looking forward to doing a lot of exploring there. Dick Dick Cherry, any news on Taboo Season 2? I mentioned that in the first one, and essentially the answer is no. Stephen Wallace, hey Pitt, my question is a three-part effort. Out of all the things you've done, achieved, or experienced in work and life, what's your proudest moment, your mum's proudest moment, and the weirdest moment? I mean, that's an impossible question. I don't know. I'm really proud. I'm lucky to have, to have a lot of proud moments along the way. Each time I've got to release an album that's actually in a record store, man, the pride in that. It's mind-blowing. I worked in a record store for years. Each time I've got to release a book, and when the Distraction Pieces book became a Times bestseller, man, the pride was overwhelming. I felt so happy. Each time I get a role and get to go and work, and most importantly, make a good impression. I, I had a moment at the end. On the, on, I mentioned that I was filming this thing on the Friday night and then on the Saturday I was flying home. I had a moment sat in my hotel room when I was waiting to head to the airport that I was just overwhelmed with pride because I'd had two weeks on this job and on my last day, because of everything shutting down early, I had so much positive feedback from my performance, from the way I treated people, which is hugely important to me, and from my general demeanour and attitude and professionalism. And that shit means the world to me because this is an industry that I'm still learning and I'm also trying to decide my own approach to a lot of these things. I'm trying to learn from the best and also adapt my own beliefs into it. So that that one comes to mind as a recent kind of man. I feel so damn proud. As for my mum's proudest moment, I don't know. She's a very proud... Both my parents are hugely proud and hugely supportive. I'm lucky there. I will say one of my proudest moments is the podcasts I've done with my mum. The podcast talking to my mum about her mum is one of my favourite things I've ever done and it was a beautiful thing. And the podcast I did with my mum and dad talking about their separation and their divorce, that was just, yeah, I've been I've been, 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 been lucky to do some cool stuff. The weirdest moment, earlier this year I was in a room um, with Olivia Coleman, Henry Cavill, Peter Capaldi and Tom Cruise. How's that for weird? Yeah, <laughs> not going into any more details on that. And there isn't anything too exciting. In fact, I will go into details on that in an upcoming episode. I'm arranging a podcast with a few of my pals, um, that my non-famous pals, and we're going to talk about it in that. Adam Smith, if you could work with any director, who would it be and why? Right, you've opened the floodgates here. I am obsessed with, as you know, with this acting game. So I have a list of directors and writers that are my dream people to work with. Keep it on my phone, update it all the time. I'll run through a handful. The Safdie brothers, Trey Edward Schultz, Gaspino, James Gunn, Lynn Ramsey, Taika Waititi, Coralie Fargay, Boots Riley, Desiree Akavan, Sean Baker, Jean Stefan Sauvert, Martin McDowell, Gus Van Sant. There's loads here. Anna Lilia Poor, Amy Poor, Alex Garland, Francis Lee, William Oldroy, Garth Jennings, Nolan, Christopher fucking Nolan, Bart Layton, David Lowry, Alan Hughes, Greta Gerwig, Josh Trank, 
Ava DuVernay, Barry J- J- Jenkins, Jordan Peele, J- June Hu Bong, Edgar Wright. I'm skipping loads here. Obviously, Shane Meadows, P- Paddy Considine, people like Quarant- Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, R- R- Ryan Johnson, JJ Abrams, <sighs> Yorgos Lanthimos, Claire Denny, Cole McCarthy, Joe Barton. Um, there's loads and these are writers and directors and all sorts yeah just tons man i obsess over this shit david leach i came close to working with him on a thing and that was a buzz uh duncan jones would be a dream so yeah just know that i've got a constantly updated long long list of directors and writers that I would bloody love to work with and I hope to start checking them off as the days go on. But to have worked with Stephen Knight already, mind-blowing, Guy Ritchie, Kurt Sutter, these are guys who will have been on my initial early list, so I've been lucky to knock some people, to check some people off. Um, LJ Thompson, are you baking bread like every other man at home is? No, I'm not. I've never been a bed bread baker my brother has baked a lot of bread forever um he's continued in his normal ways but no i'm not particularly chris cruz any more collaboration plans with pos or them strange famous peeps nope i'm done with music my friend but i'm hyped for everything that comes from all of those guys um and shout out to uncle sage francis soon to become papa sage um Huge congrats to that man. I've been telling you for a minute that you needed to catch these tours while they last because man is settling down. Thomas Seal. Hi, Pip. If you could be cast in any role in a movie from the past, who would you pick and what would you do differently to bring that character to life in your own way? I talked about that earlier on with the Harvey, um, Elwood P. Dowd one. Jez Rushworth. Rushworth is the Rosie Marcel episode ever going to see the light of day. Hopefully... Um, for, for those who don't, don't know, I recorded an amazing episode with Rosie Marcel. It was about to come out, and then she requested that we hold it off until a certain point um, in her Holby City storyline. That was fine. The The guest is always the one who has the say on anything. I would n- never make them uncomfortable or put them in an uncomfortable position. So we were holding off on that, and then obviously the world has stopped. So we don't know when that point in the storyline will be got to and when we can then release the podcast and so on and so forth. So yeah, I've got it and it's really good. She's amazing, but who knows? Katie Ferris will watch the highest point above sea level you've ever been on this planet. I played up a mountain in Japan. We did Fuji Rocks, which isn't actually up Fuji, but it's up another mountain. So that might be it. I shaved my head and performed in tradition at the top of uh, Snowden. So that might be... That's on YouTube. So yeah, probably one of them two, I guess. I played in Denver and played in Aspen. And they're really high, aren't they? As places... Like when we played in Aspen, we had to have oxygen masks at the side of the stage to give a little oxygen hit midway through the set. Richard Juice Leonard, what did you score in the hardcore listing quiz? I got 37. That was amazing. If you've not seen this, search HCL quiz on YouTube. It's a really good quiz. Um, 
we're looking at the options of doing a distraction pieces network quiz with, for example, Susie Gage doing a science round, Brett Goldstein doing a films round, and so on and so forth. So we're looking at that. But yeah, I scored 37. I recommend you all go and do the quiz. Matt Wald, when you sit back in this time of reflection, what of all your achievements puts the biggest smile on your face? I kind of answered that with the pride and my mum and so on and so forth. So hope that's okay. Chris Malton, are any of your films or TV shows you're writing, pitching, musicals? No, not at the moment. There is one that is going to... Oh, no, kind of. There's one TV series that isn't a musical, but the characters in it are a, a, a band of sorts, so there would be music involved, and I would want to have a hand in writing that and there's another one that is is one of the ones i've got prepped to work on as a short next week that i would see be in a film or a series that has some spoken word elements woven into it but yeah in general no none of the ones have been musicals per se um or had anything like that in them david say who is the most famous person in your contacts list I mean, it's probably Hardy. It's either Hardy or it's either Tom Hardy or um, Simon Pegg, right? Or Nick Frost. I don't know. They're of the people that I I know properly and think of as good friends and talk to, you know, on a fairly regular basis. Would hang out with socially, you know, you know. Ben Prescott, I saw your set get called off at the Why Not Festival. Did due to a lightning storm but what was your most disappointing moment on stage i mean that was a highlight man there was a huge lightning storm and we had to stop and we stopped and we couldn't get the people out of the tent because they just wanted us to keep going so i got dan to put on a beat and i crowd surfed out the tent with them all following me i said look i'm going to jump into the crowd you're all going to carry me out the tent and we're going to go out the tent and go to a safe place and we did that but but we came back and finished the gig later on that evening so that was that was a good one most disappointing moment on stage i've only got one really i did a gig a solo gig on the main stage of a festival then me and dan lasac were doing a lasac versus pip gig on the dance stage later that night so it was that period where i was just coming to the end of the, the solo re- record touring and just me and dan were just about to start getting back into our stuff this the the main stage gig the solo one went really well and i got drunk drunker than i should have and then the gig with dan there was a point where we were doing look for the woman and i just couldn't couldn't get the words right and we had to just continue on the rest of the gig was fine but i just drew a blank as you're hearing with me picking out names in this and yeah it was heartbreaking but we had another gig the next day and we had like an eight hour drive or something and the whole of that drive i was just listening over our back catalogue and relearning to make sure i was tighter than i've ever been so that next gig it was what was it It was a oh it was the one where dan told everyone about fingering it was a we were headlining a stage and it was a smallish festival but it was like a studenty thing and it was on the south coast but i can't remember what it was it wasn't lee fest but yeah it's one of the the best performances I feel I've done because I'd really I'd beaten myself up over forgetting a couple of lines. Um, Ash Bolton, Chip Zardsky, Zardsky, Alan Moore, and Neil Gaiman get free reign to write any established character 
they want for I want for a limited series one. Which character team would you want each one to write? I don't know who Chip is. I'm probably m- 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 missing something huge there. I know Alan is kind of off of comics at the moment, and he's another pal, so I wouldn't want to f- force the, 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 that on him. So I guess that just leaves Neil Gaiman. I'd want Neil to just... Cre- I'd want all of them just to create something new. I'm sorry this is a boring answer. Um, who could Neil write really well? I mean, I mentioned The Midnighter earlier. I'd want any of them to write The Midnighter. In fact, yeah, Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman pairing up on The Midnighter to be written as a Netflix series. No, I want Warren Ellis to to do that. I don't know, man. It's a tough question, okay? Okay? It's tough. Brian William Shea, what's your favourite wrestling match of all time? Man, that's hard. I was in the in the ballroom for Aussie Open v the the Swords of Essex, and that was one of the best things I've ever seen. The recent battle royal for number one contendership on NXT UK was one of the best things I've ever seen, and a lot of people overlooked it because we're in weird times, and a lot of wrestling's weird and wants to be. I don't know, it's odd. Um, I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan, so obviously I'd throw up Shawn Michaels v Kurt Angle. Shawn Michaels v Taker and Shawn Michaels v Flair. On NXT UK this week, they opened with Dynamite Kid v Tiger Mask, and I've not seen that before, and that was amazing. So yeah, there's a lot of good matches, man. There's a lot of good matches, man. I'm going a bit crazy talking to myself going into my 90th minute. Jamie Dooley, have you started filming the second season of Taboo yet? Nope. Lee Barnes, where did you get your salmon ladder? We talked a lot in the drunk cast about my salmon ladder. Now, I didn't buy it because you couldn't, at that point at least, they weren't popular, so you couldn't buy one. So I did a shout-out online for people to recommend like a an ironmonger or whatever, and I found someone, and I paid them to to build a salmon ladder and then to come and dig really deep holes and lay cement and do all sorts of stuff to have that up and solid in my garden and it's yeah so it's completely bespoke built for me to barely use because at first i was using it a lot but as oh well i mean we discussed it god damn it um martin baxter how much money would you want to fan me with a big leaf for an eight hour day with breaks how much where do you want for a month of nine to fives? You get a weekends off. Um, it's not essential. It's not essential work, Martin. So I'm afraid you couldn't pay me because it would be socially irresponsible. So I'm sorry about that. But Pete Leftbridge, hi Pip. How did your pizza oven go? I remember you saying that you were building one ages ago. Do you use it? Is it any good, or is it a ball ache and easier to just order Domino's? Um, yeah, it's a bit of all of those. Um, I do use it. I've not used it since the weather has gotten nice. Weirdly, I went to the shops yesterday for my weekly slash two-weekly shop. And I wanted to buy um, some flour. And they didn't have any flour because I was going to make some pizzas in the garden. I, d- I didn't completely build it. I bought an outdoor pizza oven. I built the platform it g- goes on. And it was an absolute ball ache to to get in there because these things weigh like a ton. So literally, it's just, yeah, it was mad. I had numerous 
companies. So I added delivered onto my drive and I had numerous companies come and look and go, no, we can't get that into your garden. It's not possible. I was like, oh, all right. But, but again, it's a boring story, but, but we ended up making it work. And yeah, you're right. It is a, a ball lake because you have to get it. It's it's a wood burn. It's a, it's a fire one, a wood fire one. So you do have to get it really up to the heat. It takes ages, but it's worth it when you do. So it isn't, it's something that you'd plan. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to go, oh, I fancy a pizza, I think and then spend all the time making it all because you'd need all the ingredients as well. So it is easier to order from Domino's. But, but yeah, I do rate it. I do love it. And I do have plans to fire it up for the first time this year. Obviously, you need to give it a good clean the first time of the year because over, over winter, although I've got a cover on the chimney of it and all that kind of thing, it's still, you get dirt in there and it gets mucky. It becomes mucky. Stephen Wanless when you worked with Dan Lassac, you said he would send you beats and you would pick what worked best for your l- lyrics. On Distraction Pieces, was that the same process? Did you have producers send you beats for you to pick from what worked best? Yeah, kind of. It varied. It really varied. So with Danny Lonner, who produced Introduction with drums from Travis Barker, he sent me a few different things he had. And I was like, not feeling that, not feeling that. Oh, I like that. And then we went... Uh, uh, back and forth a lot on tweaks and changes on for example let them come which i worked on with wargie and yilla who are two mates of mine i initially i went to wargie and went here's the kind of thing that i want and kind of hummed out the and it's the this kind of tempo i had basically a, a lyric written um and then we worked from that with steve mason i went and st- stayed with him for a couple of days and we'd gone back and forth i said the kind of idea of the track that was the struggle and he kind of went all right here we go um who else what else what else what else with richard russell and zane Lowe, i think they kind of sent over a track and i was like yeah i'm feeling that i can do something on that and then again we went back and forth with zane it was all remotely with richard i got in the studio at excel um, and had a play about and with others, yeah, it was that with with a, a broken promise. It was me and and, and Wargie going back and forth on that. With Feel It, that was Yilla. I kind of said, look, I want to cover Feel It by Kate Bush, and I want it to be m- me kind of mumbling and speaking a slightly distorted version of the lyrics. And originally, it was going to be three female vocalists. It was going to be Natasha Fox, a girl called Debbie. I can't remember her surname right now. My apologies. And Rosa from Peggy Sue and the Pirates, because Rosa was working near where Yilla's studio was. And the idea was that to have all three singing it, and then me doing the spoken bit. And then Natasha Fox recorded her vocal, and that changed everything. And we were like, fuck, well, we don't need anyone else on this. This is just beautiful. So she just stole the track quite literally. So yeah, that was how that went down. Tom Cameron Shaw... Ever considered being a stand-up comedian, you've been an amazing practicing musician, radio DJ, poet, DJ, actor, podcaster, fashionista, and sexual icon. Perhaps it could be the next step for the Scroobius Pip. I have been all of those things wonderfully. You're correct. Uh, Weirdly, Brett Goldstein used to try and push me into doing stand-up because I did my Edinburgh Fringe show 
And the thing I was most nervous about, it was spoken word pieces, but I'd written kind of gags to, 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 to link them. So it was this one set. It's still my proudest. It's, it's available to download at speechdevelopmentrecords.com. It's like a, f- a fiver or something. Um, but I'm really p- proud of it because I put together something I really felt was strong. So it was a show rather than his... When I toured, it was always, here's the pieces, and in between, I'm just having a bit of a chat. Whereas this was, I'd structured it, and even where it may feel like it's casual banter, it's not. It was very structured. And I was delighted that the jokes worked, and I got good feedback from people, comedians I idolise, like Brett Goldstein and Chris Ramsey. Um, I think Tim Key came along, and Sarah Pascoe, all these amazing people. And and um, and t- 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 oh, I can't speak. Tez Ilias was there, and that meant the world. And Brett at that time said, "You're a comedian. Why aren't you doing comedy?" And again, it was more just that I didn't feel I felt I could make it work in that s- scenario with my pieces. But it's another thing. There's a million things I'd love to do, but I'm too respectful of all of them. I wouldn't one just go, "Yeah, I'm going to be a comedian now." I don't think I've got as I want to do acting. I don't think I've got. 10 years to get good at stand-up because um, I need to be focusing those years on writing and acting and getting good there. So, yeah, but thank you very much. It's, it's very nice of you. Tim Scarrett, you may not be able to answer this, but what is the project collaboration, etc., which was most, which was proposed to you that you were most excited about but which never ultimately was able to be completed? So, Cowboy... The song now was it Cowboy? No, it wasn't. It was Cauliflower. The song Cauliflower was originally going to be a collaboration with Adele, and that would have been cool because she, she was a power from way back. I'm just trying to think of things that were going to happen and didn't now. Um, so many acting roles. As I said, the one I mentioned earlier that was potentially going to take me to Iceland. There was a point earlier this year where I was up for two genuine dream roles, like I would possibly happily retire after them type things. And b- both of them, I came re- really close. I made a really good g- g- good impression with, and hopefully it's been implied I will work with the directors in question down the line, but it didn't work in this moment, in this time. So they were the, that was a point that, you know, I said, I'd just worked on, at the beginning of this year, I'd had just a few days on a film that was an absolute dream to be involved in that's not announced yet, that's mind-blowing that I'm in it at all. And within a week of wrapping on that, I had both of these auditions come in and I was like, man, this is madness. Any other collaborations or projects that didn't happen? Me, Danny Lona and Wes Borland and Travis Barker were all, all working on stuff from for me to do another s- s- solo record. My plan after the Sat versus Pip was if I do anything, it'd be a, so- a solo record. And there was a point where me, Travis, Wes, and Danny all got in the studio. But then that, nothing ever came of that. There's not really any demos to speak of or anything like that. So that was just... Uh, it wasn't to be... So there's a few... Gareth Thompson, any chance of the Shikari boys coming on, considering they have a new album out? I've already had Rao on 
on the podcast. Um, so no immediate plans to have him back, but I think he's great and I think they're great. So go and listen to that episode. Andrew McLean Reed, what do you think will be the practical impact of the virus? For example, I think working from home will become normalised. I think actually using cash for things will become marginalised. I think the, the NHS will become the political issue even more so than it has been. Certain businesses will not recover as people ask what they did for us during the virus. For example, Pret and McDonald's gave free drinks to the NHS. Sports Direct and Weatherspoons refused to let their staff go home. Who will come out of this well in public opinion? Mate, I think they're all valid points. I don't have an answer for you. I'm certainly not at a point, or I'm trying to not get to a point of pointing fingers or assigning blame. I don't think there's any great benefit in that. As you said there, a less focus on who we praise, you know, and that is the NHS workers and who expected sh- sh- shop workers to be heroes, you know, the people st- st- darking our shelves and keeping us s- safe at their own risk in that scenario have been amazing. I think we're unlucky that this us again, I'm, I'm not to get political, but I think we're unlucky that us in America have had this happen at a point when we have the most embarrassing leadership possible. Uh, I think it's not going to look good historically. When we look back in years to come at this historical time and we have Boris on video saying, don't overreact. I've been in hospitals. I've been shaking hands of people with corona. I've been hugging people with corona. And then weeks later, he's in intensive care because of it. And thank God he pulled through, you know, regardless of political affiliation you want it wouldn't have been a good thing you know but trump as well you know i I want things to be open again for easter what makes you feel that's going to be the right time i've just got a good feeling about easter i like it fuck off you dickhead so yeah i think there's gonna i think we are the two nations who have um had this come at the worst time leadership wise um for how it's going to look historically and for the impact on lives lost and lost in society so yeah heavy andrew savile what are your thoughts on the state of wrestling at the moment in general but also concerning lockdown um prior to lockdown i think wrestling is the best it's ever been i think nxt is my favorite era of wwe ever i think AEW has been great in places um the main roster doesn't do too much for, for me, but I'm also aware I'm not really the target for that. I've got NXT. Um, and I also think indie wrestling is just next level. So many people from OTT to Progress to Attack to Shardon, Freud and Friends to ICW to Riptide to everyone. So much good shit. In the lockdown, I think it's all quite concerning and quite worrying. I think... I would have preferred if both WWE and AEW had just stopped for a bit. I mentioned earlier NXT UK. I think they've got it right. This week's episode, obviously they had a period of pre-recorded stuff, but they had an episode this week that was NXT UK stars picking either their favourite match from the history of wrestling that's available on the network or the match that meant the most to them in their era on NXT UK. So you've got a great mix of 
highlighting the roster and the amazing matches that have been going on when maybe not everyone was watching because there was a lot of other options and also putting on things like Cesaro v Regal in in Regal's retirement match and and Tiger Mask v Dynamite Kid and next week they're doing an episode of looking back at the amazing Volta v Tyler Bate match and from what the trailer said it's through their eyes and giving their kind of opinion on it all so i think that's the way to be be doing things not necessarily putting people at risk in the name of entertainment but you know who knows who fucking knows man it's weird and the ufc the next question is about a, a, a ufc and they're easily as bad as wwe and AEW in this in that they're just ignoring they're seeing the priority being and again it's all stuff that i watch and want to watch so I'm on the side of I'd rather be watching than not watching, but equally I'd rather everyone is safe and healthy. And the fact that the UFC event was so close to going ahead is frankly disgusting. Um, Martin Billingsley, what do you miss the most? For me, it's watching UFC at silly o'clock at the weekends. If Khabib Tony ever happens, who wins? Um, Yeah, the same man. This weekend was meant to be Khabib. Nurmagomedov v Tony Ferguson and that is a fight that I've been wanting to watch for many many years now it's been for anyone who's not a fan MMA fans all all joke that it's the reason for this pandemic because it's a fight that's been booked four times I think and there's been injuries there's been things go wrong and this time the whole whole world has gone on lockdown but they're the two best in their weight class and as for who wins I've no idea I don't make predictions on fights anymore because i learned how pointless it is and i don't get a buzz from it if you get a buzz from it then that's fine but i don't really get much from it and it's just you can't predict it man i would say tony has beaten the better people over the years um so there's that but the styles make matchups you know yeah anyway um i think we might be at the end but there's a question here that just says Soren France and it's just Sleaford mods are the next big thing or just a ban. The Sleaford mods are the bollocks. So nothing but love for them. Let me just do a refresh and see if any questions have been added in the meantime. So yeah, um, either way, thank you all for tuning in. If you're looking for stuff to listen to or read, can I recommend Pod Bible? It's a magazine I work on and I thoroughly enjoy it. And it, it, re- it recommends podcasts all the time. And it's a good read. And there's a Pod Bible podcast as well, of which I am one of the hosts. And that's out every Monday. It's 20 minute, just digestible um, supplement to your daily, your weekly podcast diet rather than a meal replacement. Um, yeah, here we go. Here's a question. Alexander Baldwin. Hi, Pip. What were your favourite cartoons, toys as a kid? I'm wondering whether these things influenced, inspired you at all in the things you're doing in adult life. Hope you're keeping well. Not got a good answer to that at all. Although, I've got a couple of ideas that might relate to that, but I'm not going to tell you about them. My favourite toys were probably wrestling toys, I guess. I really liked, I had a, there was a pirate in Thundercats. Was it Thundercats or He-Man? And he had a big claw one giant robotic claw hand. I really liked him. Um, And my wrestling toys and computer games. And on the TV front, the same as everyone else. We're looking at 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we're looking at Transformers, we're looking at Cities of Gold, all the obvious ones. Um, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in, guys, and thank you for all the questions. I will be back next week with a guest of some sort. I've got a few a few lined up that I'm going to potentially do over Zoom. Things are coming. So um, I will see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in. Please stay safe, stay home, um, and stay healthy, both mentally and physically. I have been Scroobius Pip, and this has once again been the Distraction Pieces podcast. Ta-ta! You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces.